This is episode number 20 of the Raising Mums podcast. Welcome to Raising Mums, a live weekly broadcast streaming on Facebook and Instagram that inspires mums to live with purpose and intention, to raise their children mindfully, and empowers mothers everywhere to own their lives and thrive doing it. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Raising Mums. I'm really excited about today's episode. We're going to be answering your questions live, the questions that you submitted to me through Instagram, through Facebook, and I also put up a form online so that if you wanted to post your questions anonymously, you can. So I'm going to be pulling from all those different questions today, and inshallah, I will answer as many of your questions as I can. Um, And so for those of you who do not know me, my name is Dr. Gemma Elizabeth. I am the founder of OurMuslimHomeschool.com, the host of this podcast, Raising Mums. Um, I homeschool here in the UK. I have four children ranging from nine years old through to three months old. Um, And I've been doing these episodes now um, on a weekly basis every Sunday at 10 a.m. They stream live on Facebook and on Instagram. And um, then I upload them to YouTube, to my blog, um, and onto the podcast Raising Mums for those of you who prefer to listen on the go. Um, so I'm really excited about today. I'm really excited because I'm going to be answering your questions. And as we go along, please feel free to pop in your answers to these questions in the comments. If you feel like I've missed something or you want to add into the answer, feel free to pop your, your response into the comments as we go along and let's add value to everyone who's on here. Um, usually I don't get a chance to check through the comments as I go along because it sort of, it makes me lose my train of thought. But this session is a different format because we're answering your questions. I'm going to really make an effort to go through the comments as we go along. So I hope you will contribute to the discussion. Um, And tag your friends uh, if you think they might be online and would like to join this discussion live or watch it later on. Then tag your friends and they can come back and watch it later. Before we get into everything, I want to introduce the sponsor for today's episode. Um, It is once again our friends at wordunited.com. Wordunited.com sell educational resources. They sell books and toys, but they also publish. They publish their own books, and today they've asked me to highlight their flashcards. So they have write and wipe flashcard kits, um, which you can use to practice, your children can use to practice writing time after time. Um, And those flashcards are to teach English and foreign languages. So they're cards, we have multiple sets of these cards. They're thick, they're strong, they're oversized, they're double-sided, and I can attest to the fact they're very, very well made. They come complete with pens, instructions, stickers, and they're all in a durable box. Um, And so, like I said, you can use these cards to teach your children the alphabet, colours, shapes, numbers, and verbs in English, Arabic, French, Spanish, and German. Um, And these flashcards, they're called Write and Wipe flashcards, and their books are on special offer at the moment with up to 40% off for a limited time. Plus, if you home educate, you get an additional discount. So you get another 10% off, off those cards or off anything you buy, anytime you buy, if you use the discount code WU4HOMED. And that's uh, that discount code is on the Facebook underneath this video for you guys. It's WU4HOMED, all lowercase, and the number four. Right, 
So thank you again, Word United, for sponsoring yet another episode of Raising Mums. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for making it possible to do these episodes. So before we start, I can see people hopping in. Salam alaikum, Dawn. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Salam alaikum. More people coming on Facebook too. Right. So um, before we get started with your questions, just a little update of what's happening in this coming month for our Muslim homeschool. So this is the last episode of this season of episodes of Raising Mums. Um, you can go back and you can watch previous episodes all on my website. You can watch them on Facebook if you click on the videos tab um, on our Muslim Homeschool page. Uh, you can go to YouTube. There's tons of places you can go back and watch. There are at least 20 other episodes. I think there might be a few extra bonus episodes in there as well if you want to. And I'm taking this time away so that I can work on my upcoming course, which is for new homeschoolers or people who are considering homeschooling. So if you are interested in that, make sure you get onto my mailing list um, so that you're informed about early bird discounts and all of that good stuff. Um, also, while I'm away, I've got a ton of things, other things happening. Rajab is coming up, the Islamic month of Rajab. I've got two blog posts coming out. One of them is activities you can do with your children during Rajab. Another one will be ways to encourage your children to pray. Um, and those will be coming out within the next month. I've also got a series of giveaways coming up on Instagram. So if you're not already following me on Instagram, head over to my Instagram account, Our Muslim Homeschool, and follow me there. I think I've got at least six giveaways that are going to be happening in the month of March, inshallah. So stay tuned for all of that. So there's a lot of good stuff coming. So I'm not going away completely. Uh, I've just got other things coming up in the pipeline and I will be back to do more episodes, inshallah. So these questions. I ask for questions on Facebook. I ask for questions on Instagram. And I put that form up online if you wanted to post me a question anonymously. I got close to 100 questions asking me a whole variety of topics, some very uh, complex and lengthy questions and some really simple ones. What I'm going to try and do now is just get through as many as I can uh, in the time that we have and I'll take a few from the anonymous bit, some from Facebook, some from Instagram and just let's just see how we get on. Um, right, the first question is a good one. So this was the very first question that somebody sent me. So that's why I'm going to answer this one first. And it was left anonymously. Um, so she says, Salam sister, here I am again. I am feeling terrible and I wasn't sure who to talk to. And then I thought I'll share it with you and get some advice. We have a weekly science class and it was my turn to do four classes on astronomy. The age of the children varies in the group from five to nine years old. And I'm fairly new to homeschooling and I haven't taught anything yet to my kids in terms of science. But while delivering my lesson, I realized a couple of things. Most of the kids I knew, most of the kids knew already what I was teaching them. And I got a few details wrong. I mean, I do get distracted by my baby. Uh, how do I deal with these feelings? I feel awful, I'm beating myself up. I feel incompetent. I feel as though I would not be able to homeschool my kids. And if I did, I would ruin their lives. Um, how do I get rid of feeling like a failure uh, and feeling that way? I feel terrible. What will the kids think? What are their mothers thinking? It's so late at night. I cannot go to sleep. Thank you. So you can feel how emotional and how hurt this poor sister was that this class didn't go her way. So first and foremost, I just want to make this clear right now, sister, if you're watching, a failure in a homeschool group in a class does not make you a failure. 
failing to teach a group of kids as well as you would like, is that it? That's all it is. Is that the class did not go well. The class was a failure. That does not make you a failure. You shouldn't identify yourself by the successes or failures of your actions. You are more than that. And, you know, beating yourself up about the kids already knowing something. Okay, it's a little bit embarrassing, especially in front of other mums. But so what? So what? Next time you'll know to make things more complex. Or maybe, maybe next time you could actually consult the mums in that group and ask them, what have they already covered in that subject? Because homeschooling, and one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is that you you can learn whatever you want at whatever depth you want. So some of those kids may have learned it at a very deep level and some may have never touched it before. So I would recommend that you always check with the other mums what their kids have already done so that you save yourself some time and save the, the children, um, make the most of the children's time as well. But what worries me most with that question that you are that you asked is the way that you've escalated it you've gone from saying okay the class was a failure the class didn't go well to then saying you feel incompetent because one class didn't go well and then you escalated it further and you said you wouldn't be able to homeschool your kids and then you escalated it further and said you're going to ruin your children's life because of one class that didn't go as well as you hoped do you see the madness in that um the other people in your group, in your homeschool group, they probably have had more experience with you teaching groups, teaching children. Maybe they have more children or the children are older. Maybe you see people like me who make it look easy, right? The truth is we've just had more practice. We've been doing it for years. I certainly have been doing this for years. Um, and do you not think that we've made many mistakes ourselves? Of course we have. Do you think I've never prepared a class for my kids only to realize they already know it? Of course I have. Do you think I've never prepared a class to realize that my kids actually know more than me? Of course, of course that's happened to me. Um, it's just that that doesn't make you a bad mum. It just means that next time you need to prepare better and you need to approach it differently. So stop beating yourself up, sister, about this, okay? That class, it was one failure. It was one failed class, nothing more. It's not a reflection on your worth. Um, so you learn from it, you move on, you learn the positive lessons from it. You can do this. You've got this. If I can do it, you can do it. I believe in you, sister. Just go forward more positively next time and you can do this, inshallah. Okay, the next question. Assalamu alaikum, Gemma. I'm really inspired by your lovely advice. Walaikum salam. Thank you very much. I am homeschooling. I'm a homeschooling mother of a four-year-old. The biggest struggle I have is that I'm not able to take my daughter out to play every day. Uh, where I live, I am not able to go outside by myself. My husband is able to take my daughter to play only on the weekends. What should I do about that? Also, there aren't many libraries around for good books. I also cannot purchase many books online uh, because they're very expensive here. Please advise, Jazakallah. So that's a great question. I get questions all the time from people who live abroad. I'm assuming this sister lives abroad, um, where things are different. So this is my advice to you, okay? If it is not possible for you to go outdoors alone, then why not have other women, other families and children to yours? Invite families and children to your place to play. Maybe you could even do classes or groups, you know, a Quran group. Uh, you could go through the animals in the Quran or maybe you could do science experiments or art sessions, whatever. The, you could do anything. Host those classes at your place. 
If there's no way for you to get out to those educational experiences, then create them in your own home. Bring the party to you. Um, you know, if books are really expensive where you live and uh, the libraries aren't great, then for you, I think the internet has to be your friend. You have to turn to the internet in that case. Get online. There are thousands of free ebooks for ch in children's literature that are available online that you can read from your tablet, from your laptop. Um, so examples of where you can get free books that you can read that are classic works of literature. Um, Project Gutenberg, manybooks.net, archive.org. So all of those places you can get works of literature for free on your phone, on your tablet, wherever you like, and you can use them in your homeschool. And it's a great option for those of you who are abroad. Um, and then if you want to use worksheets, now we don't use a lot of worksheets, but I know they have their place and some people are big fans. Just go on Pinterest. If you need worksheets, get onto Pinterest and type in whatever it is you're, you want worksheets on. And I guarantee you will find free printables that you can do, that you can use with your children. Um, if you're not already following me on Pinterest, I am there, Our Muslim Homeschool, and it's my favourite place to collate and, and collaborate all my favourite resources into categories. So do check out Pinterest. I'm quite active over there. Um, so really all you need, sister, is the internet and a printer, inshallah. And you can, you can educate your child at a very good level. And I think sometimes it's in making the most of what you already have that you realize that you had everything you needed all along. Um, homeschooling is not complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Um, let me have a little look through these comments before I move on to the next question. Oh, Shazia is saying on Instagram that free books are available from BorrowBox. Okay, I have to check that out. Thank you, Shazia. Um, okay, somebody's saying she's going to watch it later, inshallah. Okay, I don't think there's any more comments. Okay, somebody's asked what we're talking about. We're answering questions that people have sent to me about homeschooling and parenting. I think that's everything on Instagram. Just have a quick check over on Facebook. Okay, yeah, so, so Acorn Homeschool is also saying they don't have good libraries in Islamabad either. So go online, check out those three sites I mentioned, um, and you can find so many good uh, works of literature and other books as well online for free. Um, I think after a certain number of years, I don't remember how many, it might be 20, that all books, all publications go into what's called the public domain, which means it's free for everybody copyright no longer is valid on those books and so you can upload them for free online so if it's a book that's over about 20 years old you should be able to find that for free right um okay so the next question this is a good one how do you deal with the question i'm bored I understand there's research showing that it's good for kids to be bored, but that question triggers my mum guilt madly. I'm not entertaining them enough. They're bored at home. I'm not doing a good enough job, etc. How do I deal with that? Thank you for that question. Um, so I, I think you kind of answered that question yourself, sister. You should not be feeling guilty if your children are bored. You said it yourself. Boredom is good for them. So what is there to feel guilty about Boredom helps your children to become creative. In today's world of non-stop entertainment, um, boredom is actually seen as a bad thing. Parents, and we know this ourselves, parents are led 
because of society and the way the world works now, to overschedule their children's lives. There's no more time anymore for child-led play. Boredom allows kids to get creative. It allows them, it gives them the opportunity to make discoveries, to get curious. Um, it gives them the opportunity to be self-reliant and a bit resilient as well. You know, if you have free time, you have the opportunity to try things out. You have the opportunity to fail when it doesn't matter. And I think that's really important. How many of us and how many of our children suffer with a fear of failure? Give them more free time, unscheduled time, just to try things out. Um, it also helps to develop problem solving skills. It means that children have an opportunity to develop relationships and nurture relationships with their siblings and with their neighbours or their friends, whoever they're playing with. There's a psychologist called Dr. Vanessa Lapointe, and she's written a ton of books and she posts, she writes on HuffPost as well, Huffington Post. And she wrote, children need to sit in nothingness of boredom. Children need to sit in the nothingness of boredom in order to arrive at an understanding of who they are. Is that a reason to feel guilty? Absolutely not. You are doing your children actually a huge service by allowing them to feel guilty. And how do I handle it when my children feel guilty? When they say, I'm bored, I've got nothing to do, all of that, what do I do? Oh, okay, that's it, that's it. I don't say, oh, but I bought you this yesterday, why don't you play with that? Or why don't you go do this? No, don't do that, because you know what will happen? They'll reject it, they'll find an excuse, and you'll get frustrated, and you'll take it personally. So just don't. It's not your job to entertain them constantly. Um, so just say, oh, okay, and get on with whatever you were doing. And allow them to find something to do. If you can hold out through that whining and the whinging that comes afterwards, you will find that that period of boredom turns into a period of intense creativity. And you'll look back and you'll think, subhanAllah, you know, I could have given them something to do, but they've actually created something themselves that is so much better, so much more interesting and educational and nourishing in whatever way it is. So just allow them to, to sit in that boredom uh, and get creative, inshallah. Okay, next question. I'm 20 years old. I have a four-year-old brother and I really want to help him with his schoolwork and get him more active since he uses his tablet a lot uh, and that makes me feel guilty. I also want to start teaching him about the Dean and I don't know where to start with all of this. I've never really dealt with the younger children like this. I'm like his second mum. I don't know how to balance figuring out my own life whilst trying to give him good tarbiya. Of course my parents are around but they're older now. Parenting has changed a lot and they're busy working. So there's more pressure on me to help him with work, etc. And it gets overwhelming. Any tips and advice would help a lot. Uh, my apologies for the long message. Right, sister, from this question, you are clearly a wonderful person. You're only 20 years old and you are so concerned with your little brother's well-being that you're asking questions from people like myself. Do you know how many other 20-year-old women out there concern themselves with these things? None. Well, not many. You are, mashallah, an exceptional human being. Mashallah. And not only that, you're a beautiful person because you're making excuses for your parents. 
you're not blaming them or anything you're making excuses for them and that is a beautiful thing and honestly and this is just my opinion I might be wrong forgive me if I'm wrong this should not fall on you this is not what you should be doing um you know it doesn't matter what your parents have going on it's their role to be raising your little brother and not yours I'm all for you helping out I'm all for you helping your parents. That's a beautiful thing to do. But when it comes to these concerns about your brother's well-being, about him not being active and having too much screen time and learning the Dean, um, you should be voicing that to them, to your parents, not taking it upon yourself. It's not your job. It's not fair on you. You know, as wonderful a person as you seem, um, you're only 20. And you don't have the emotional maturity and the life experiences that your parents have. They should be the ones making hard decisions, not you. You should, they should be the ones saying, you know, take away the screens or enroll him in some class or get some more help at home. They should be making those decisions, not you. And when they've made those decisions, then you can step in and support them and help them in whatever way is appropriate. Um, if they're asking too much of you, because you said in the question that you're feeling overwhelmed, then tell them, you know, with good manners, tell them about your concerns with your brother as well. Tell them that you need help looking after him. Probably your parents don't even realise that you're struggling. Your parents have a duty of care, not only to your younger four-year-old brother, but also to you. And maybe they just don't realise how hard you're finding this caretaking role that you've taken on. Um, tell them, talk to them about how hard you're finding it. Tell them your concerns about the brother and let them make the decision. It shouldn't be your place. It's not your job. It's not fair for you to make those decisions. Um, okay, that that's I'm quite passionate about that one, as you probably can tell. We'll move on to the next one in a second. I just want to check for comments and see if anyone else has got anything to say. Walaikum salam, Qur'ats. We'll just check on Facebook. Uh, yeah, so people are saying that the libraries as well in Botswana are not great. Okay, right. Okay, fine. That's good. Uh, Walaikum salam, everybody here on Instagram. Um, <laughs> so Raising Grateful Hearts here on Instagram has said, when my child comes to me saying, I'm so bored, I replied with, yeah, me too. And what do you think we should do? And then they come up with their own creative ideas. Alhamdulillah. That's brilliant. Great. I love it. Very, very good. Um, okay. I think we're good. Someone's asking how they can network with other homeschoolers. So I'd say if you want to network with other homeschoolers, get on Facebook. There's a lot of Facebook groups. Google it as well. Um, some of the groups are not on Facebook, so you'll find them through Google as well. Um, and then start attending events in your area and you will find homeschoolers. Uh, there's a way that we have of identifying one another and, and I'm sure you'll find them. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you very much. Right, so let's move on to the next question. Asalaamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Salaam. I'd like to know how much time you study in the morning if you give breaks to your kids, which order do you study each subject? I find that if I give a break, it's hard to get them back to focus as they want to play for longer. I've started following Ambleside online curriculum. Alhamdulillah, it's great, but overwhelming with all the subjects offered. Jazakallah khair. Okay, so there's a few questions in there. 
Um, so how do we, how much time do we spend studying in the morning? The kids do two to three hours of intense book work in the morning. Um, the way that we structure that is they will do their reading, writing, maths. We also do a morning basket and we do something extra in addition to that. So if you're not familiar with a morning basket, I have done an episode of Raising Mums all about morning baskets. Uh, I can't remember what number it is. We look back, it's there. Um, it says morning baskets explained and that will tell you more about that. So we will tend to do one of the three R's, reading, writing and maths, first off. Then we'll do our morning basket. Then we'll do the other two R's, reading, writing or maths, whichever we didn't do first. And then we'll do something else like art or a science project or map work or something like that. And then we're done basically for book work for the day. So two to three hours, that's it. Uh, the kids then go off and play. I make lunch. And then in the afternoon, they'll have some kind of activity to do. Uh, plan friends over to play or we go out or they have classes outside of the home. Um, but I don't stick to a very rigid schedule every day, every week. I change things up. Um, as life requires me to do. I mentioned at the beginning of this video, I've got a three month old baby. So sometimes I have to accommodate his needs. Um, and I, that means changing things up. I can't do our morning basket when he's awake. So we'll do that as soon as he goes to sleep, we'll do the morning basket and they'll do the sort of written work and things like that when he's up. Um, do the kids get breaks? Yeah. So we do give the kids breaks, but like you, if I give the kids break and I let them go out of the room, it's like you said, it's very hard to bring them back to focus. And I really need those two to three hours of focused work so that they can have their afternoon off. So what we do now is they get a break, but they can't leave our homeschool space. We do our homeschool in our living room area. They can take 50 minutes break when we need it, when they need it, but they have to stay in this room. Because like you say, if you let them go off upstairs to play with their toys or do whatever, they get involved and engrossed in their play. And like us, we wouldn't want to be torn away from something we've just started. They don't want to either. So to minimise that happening, their breaks are done in our school area. Um, and then after we're finished, they can go off and do their own thing. Um, what other question was in there? Yes. OK. And then she asked about Ambleside Online and she says it's a bit overwhelming. Yeah, I can see that. If you, we use a curriculum called Ambleside Online. It's a free homeschooling curriculum that follows the Charlotte Mason philosophy of education. And this sister is saying she uses it, but she finds it overwhelming. There are a lot of subjects, and that is what Charlotte Mason philosophy is all about. It's a broad, a wide feast, and your child takes from that feast. So it can be overwhelming if you're starting out with all of it. So what I'd suggest to you, and that's the way I started as well, is to start with just a few of those subjects. You don't have to start with the full schedule, the full curriculum right from the beginning. Start with a few and see how you get on, see how you manage, and then slowly add in more subjects once you've found your feet and found your confidence. Okay, I think I've answered that one as best I can. I'll just have a look, I've seen some comments popping up on Instagram, so I'll just have a little scroll through. Um, So somebody's asking about drama in their homeschool. Do they do drama? We don't do drama. Um, but if any of you guys have incorporated theatre, drama, that kind of stuff into your homeschool, please let us know in the comments. Um, do I speak Arabic? No, but my boys do. <laughs> my boys are 
go to Arabic classes outside the home and their Arabic is getting really good, mashallah. They have private conversations now. Uh, so I don't know what's going on. That's a downside of teaching them something you don't know. When my child, when my child, nine-year-old, he doesn't like to study, but he likes sports. I'm a single parent. Um, okay, so this, this sister is saying she's a single parent. She's busy working, so she gives him a lot of online classes to do. Um, but he's getting bored. What should I do? I honestly, I don't know the, the strain and the pressures that single parents must face. Um, it must be incredibly difficult not to have that support system and you're juggling even more balls than I am juggling. So my heart really does go out to you. Um, I think online classes are a great way to manage. If your son's finding it boring, then change it up. Um, change what the classes he's doing. Um, see if there's a way that actually you can incorporate it him into your work as well if you work from home. Um, I know a lot of homeschooling mothers do that. They actually employ their elder sons and daughters to join them in the business. Um, and they learn a lot of life skills that way. Um, if any of you are single mothers homeschooling, I'd love to know your input on that question as well. Um, okay. We've got a lot of questions coming up. Mashallah. Okay, so Sister Sujana has asked, you mentioned you do loop subjects. Then don't, then you don't cover those subjects outside of the morning time or is that enough? So we have a loop within our morning time. So those are subjects that we don't need to cover on a daily basis, but we cover on a weekly basis. So things like geography, history, we want to get them covered at least once a week, maybe more. So as the sister is asking, do you just do it in morning time or do it, do it outside of morning time? We also will do things outside of morning time. So for example, we might read a living book that covers geography of some sort. We'll do that in morning time. And then outside of morning time, we'll do map work, which involves looking at the atlas, looking at a map and identifying and learning the different countries. Or we'll look at flags or we'll look at physical geography, learning about rivers and things like that. So, um, yes, we do cover our loops of subjects within our morning basket, but we also do them outside as well as necessary. Um, OK. OK, so there's a lot of questions coming up. I'll have to go through them at the end to make sure I get through as many of the questions that were submitted earlier as I can. OK, so somebody has asked. She asked a ton of questions. And honestly, she was really honest with her questions. Um, she didn't mess about. I'm not I can't go through all the questions because she asked quite a few, but I've chosen this one. Homeschooling must be for the wealthy. Right. Question mark. How else does one afford to live with multiple children on a one salary income? So. I love it. I love that honesty, right? Surely you've got to be wealthy to homeschool. Well, I guess it depends what your definition of wealthy is. We live off one salary and it's not a particularly big salary, but alhamdulillah, it's a regular salary. We know that it's coming in every month, alhamdulillah, and that is a big blessing. But in the UK, we get no help. When you choose to home educate, you get no financial help from um, educational services authorities, from the government, nobody. There's no charter schools that will help you out. I know that about 50% of people who watch this are from the States. And things are a bit different over there, depending which state you live in. In the UK, though, we get no financial assistance. So if you want to homeschool, you have to make the sacrifices um, financially to do that. And we have sacrificed a lot, as other families who homeschool do. And we do so willingly. 
Um, we live simply. I accept hand-me-downs from family and friends. Um, I don't spend money on things that um, other people do spend money on. Things like going to the cinema, eating out. We do eat out, but it's very rare. And we all choose, you know, let's be honest, cheap places to eat out. We rarely buy clothes. Honestly, I um, rarely buy clothes for myself. I make them stretch. And for my kids, most of my children's clothes come from family who've bought them clothing. Um, we buy secondhand books. And the way that we homeschool as well, the Charlotte Mason approach is very cost effective. You know, you invest in a few books and you use them for years with all your children. Um, there's not any complicated, expensive manipulatives. There are hands on projects you do in a Charlotte Mason education, but they're not expensive to to supply for your kids. Um, you know, and, and things like that. We, you know, we don't go to trampoline parks. We don't go to amusement parks. If we want to go out with the kids, we choose the free stuff. We go to the park, we go to the woods, we go to the beach. And ultimately, those things are probably better for them anyway. So you can homeschool on a tight budget, but it does require you to sacrifice an awful lot when you're living off just one income. Um, and it's just about being mindful of the way you're spending your money uh, and making it work for you. And just you know, if this lifestyle is something that you want, um, then you can make it. You can make it possible for you just by being a bit more careful with your money. It's not just for the, the wealthy. Um, yeah, alhamdulillah, Shazia. Thank you. She's saying Allah is al-Razak. And when you sacrifice the second income to homeschool, you really do see doors open for you. SubhanAllah. That's a beautiful way of putting it. So... Another question. Um, I wanted to ask how you incorporate science into your homeschool. Could you recommend some living science books, please? Thank you. I have a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. Right. For your nine-year-old, I would recommend the SabbathMoodHomeschool.com. They have a whole range of science curriculums that are centered around living books um, and the Charlotte Mason philosophy. So you'll definitely check out that. That's sabbathmoodhomeschool.com. And in addition to having that living book, they do incorporate hands-on activities and experiments to go along with it. It's not just reading and narration. There are hands-on projects too. So I really do recommend their science curricula. And for your four-year-old, just keep it simple. Just go to the library, ask him or ask her what they're interested in, what they would like to study, and get a ton of books on that subject. Um, and then do a little project with her, you know, read from that book, read from those books, draw pictures. Um, if she wants to, you can do an art project. If she wants to do something, uh, some kind of experiment with it, you can do that. But with your four-year-old, just keep it simple. Just, just go to the library, get some books. You don't need um, an expensive, complicated curriculum for that age at all. Um, okay. Yes, yeah, somebody here on Facebook is saying that homeschooling is a lifestyle. Absolutely. It's a lifestyle that you create that suits your family and your need, the needs of your family. Um, Assalamu alaikum, Gemma. Thank you for this opportunity. Allah reward you. Amin. I just wanted to ask how you're always so fresh and smiling. <laughs> how you're always so fresh and smiling and full of life. I have three kids, mashallah, and one of them just turned one. She doesn't sleep well. All through the night, she keeps waking up multiple times. We've all been there. Oh, yeah. And that disturbs my sleep. I just can't wake up early in the morning. I can't start our day before 10 o'clock, which means that everything planned for the day is dragged well into the evening. The kids get frustrated because it's such a long day and we eventually get everything done. Um, at what we eventually manage to get everything done that is planned 
Um, but it's less fun and more frustration and sometimes yelling on my part. And everything just feels like a chore. I hope to get an advice from you, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Okay, so there's a few things in that question that really jumped out at me. First of all, this really long day that you're having, that you're starting at 10 and you're not finishing till the evening. That is a very long day to be schooling. Like I just said, we homeschool like intensely with books from for two to three hours. And that's it, we're done for the day. So I would want you, sister, to look at your homeschool day and what you have planned and try and think differently, okay? See, is there a way you can teach these subjects differently to save time in a way that is less time consuming? Or maybe can you just cut something out altogether? Is it really necessary that your children do that at this season in your life? Maybe you want your children to learn coding or touch typing. Maybe you want your children to learn the history of, uh, I don't know, whatever country it is you're from. But you can do that another year. You've got a one-year-old child right now. You know, maybe now is not the time. So have a look at your schedule and see what you can cut out. And honestly, there are so many beautiful things that we want to teach our children. But the reality is you are never going to be able to teach your children everything that they need to know before they leave home. How many of us left home knowing everything we would ever need to know and never need to learn another thing again? None of us. We've all in our adult life had to study, to learn more, to keep learning and your children will be the same. So take that pressure off yourself. You're never going to be able to cover everything before they leave home. So have a look at what you're teaching them. Can you get rid of some of those things? The next thing I would say is consider shorter lessons. So our lessons in our homeschool range from between 10 and 20 minutes for a subject. And that is the Charlotte Mason way of doing things. Your children can only concentrate for a certain amount of time. So development experts, they say that on average, that an average four to five year old should be able to stay focused on a task for um, between two, between four and 20 minutes. For a lesson there's a there's a little rule that you can use that i think will help you okay you take the age of your child and you multiply it by two that should be the minimum length of the lesson so if you have a four-year-old look at lessons that are only eight minutes long if you have a five-year-old ten minutes if your children are used to sitting still and concentrating and you've trained them in a way to to focus for longer periods of time you can increase that. You can times it by three or four, but never increase, never times that number by more than five. So you have a four-year-old, their lesson should never be more than 20 minutes long. If you have an eight-year-old, their, their lesson should never be more than an hour. And that to me is considered, I would consider that a very exceptional eight-year-old to be able to sit for an hour. Um, so, um, same in my case. So somebody's on, somebody on Facebook is saying that they're struggling to get their children to sit. Um, and, and yeah, okay. So, you know, use that rule. Get their age, multiply it between two and five times. That's the length of the lesson you're looking at. Um, also, another Charlotte Mason philosophy concept is that you switch up the type of lesson. So say you started off your day with maths. That, you, that uses a certain part of the brain. It's a certain type of thinking. Follow that on with reading. Um, you wouldn't follow that on with perhaps physics or something that involves the same kind of thinking. So follow that on with reading. Follow your reading lesson on with another subject that is a different type of thinking. So um, say writing. 
you know, you get your children to do the handwriting after reading. It's using a different part of their brain. Do not follow reading on with another subject that requires reading. So you do that, you, you switch up the type of lessons that you're teaching. And of course, you incorporate breaks. Keep the lessons really short. Um, but most importantly, sister, you've said here that you have a one-year-old child who is disturbing your sleep and you're hardly getting any sleep. And it's no wonder then that you are losing your temper and feeling overwhelmed and sometimes yelling at your kids. Your sleep should be a priority at this stage in your life, because if you don't take care of your sleep, you're going to take it out on your kids. And sleep is important, not just um, not just to function the next day, but it's important for your physical health, it's important for your mental health. The way things are going for you, it doesn't you you're going to struggle to maintain your homeschool and keep homeschooling year after year. You have to take care of yourself. You have to prioritize your sleep. I do. I've got a three month old baby. If I'm up all night, I won't start school until after 10 o'clock as well because I need to sleep. And it's OK. That's all right. You have plenty of time to teach your children. Um, things will get easier in terms of sleep. And when it does, then you can catch up if you need to. Um, but make sleep a priority. Make your health a priority. Um, somebody's asking here on Instagram the name of the Charlotte Mason curriculum I mentioned. So we use AmblesideOnline.org. You can check that out. It's a free curriculum um, and they set out all the books that you use each year. It's brilliant. It is uh, for Christian homeschoolers. So you will have to make some tweaks here and there. But I do recommend it. OK, so Janine over on Instagram, she asked a very interesting question. She asked, I'd be interested to know if you do any unit study work and if you incorporate it into other subjects or do you do project work? Um, do you just stick it into your morning basket with your core work? And what all do you do it? Do you do it? Sometimes I put pressure on myself with unit studies since I think they're the most fun. But once I start adding all the subjects in like art, history, geography, poetry, I get overwhelmed with my own plans and I find it hard to go back to the basics. I know less is more, but I struggle with the whole looping thing because I lack self-discipline. Well, I'm sure that's not true, Janine. I'm sure you do not lack self-discipline, but it is overwhelming. And we, you know, many years ago when we started out, we did unit studies as well. And if you go back to some of my YouTube videos, if you scroll back on Instagram to my, on my feed, you'll see that we did used to do unit studies. But like you, I found unit studies very overwhelming. Uh, you know, bringing in all the different subjects to revolve around one main learning um, experience was difficult, you know. So a unit study is basically, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, say you want to learn about sharks, okay? You're doing a unit study about sharks. So you come up with an idea that's going to teach maths using sharks. You come up with a, a reading book that's to do with sharks, history of sharks, um, geography of where sharks are, this kind of thing. And you incorporate them all around the same idea of sharks, right? So I found that very difficult as well. Uh, and also, I just like to say that from my experience of doing that for a few years, I didn't see the benefit in it in terms of their learning. Um, it's fun. It looks fun. But when it came down to what they were actually learning about the subject, I didn't see a benefit in all that effort that I was putting into it to, to bring all these subjects together and in the expense. It's expensive to bring in the resources for all the different unit studies, for all the different disciplines. Um, so personally, I, I stopped doing unit studies a long time ago. Every now and again, we do still do 
something that you might view as a unit study. Charlotte Mason called them special studies. So you'll have seen on my stories on Facebook and on Instagram that my kids are doing special studies, which what Charlotte Mason basically gave it that term. It's a science or particularly nature-based project that your children will do that they choose. They choose the topic um, and they do their own research and they create their own project around it. So my eldest son has been doing astronomy for a while and my youngest son is doing ocean life. And so all I do in those situations is I buy a few good books and I let them get on with it. They read it, they write their own narration, they draw pictures, they maybe they do copy work from their books. It's a lot less expensive than unit studies. It's a lot less overwhelming. And I feel that my children are learning an awful lot more doing it that way than they were when I was doing a very complicated unit study. I think the unit studies look look beautiful. Um, They can be fun to pull things in. But as you said, they can be overwhelming um, and a lot more expensive. So I hope that answers your question, Janine. Thank you for asking. So somebody on Facebook asked, Asalaamu Alaikum, Gemma. I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and we live in London. I'm finding it challenging to find to follow a to find a geography path to follow. Uh, we are currently doing global map work but not sure what to follow other than this. Right so for geography you're doing already doing map work so that's brilliant so your children are learning the different countries. Fantastic. I would recommend you to start incorporating more physical geography with your children. So that is like I mentioned earlier teaching your children about hills and how mountains are formed and how rivers are formed and different coastlines and those kinds of things. And Charlotte Mason herself wrote a whole series of books about geography. Uh, And if you look them up, I think two of them are easily easy to get hold of on Amazon. Uh, Living Book Press have published them. So if you just go on Amazon, type in Charlotte Mason Geography, you'll find those first two books in her series. And that's a great place to start off with physical geography for your children. I'll just have a look and see if we've got any more comments coming up. Okay. So Sabina is saying she needs to read up on the Charlotte Mason philosophy. What book would I recommend? I will always recommend to beginners a book called For the Children's Sake. Um, that It is, again, like most of the Charlotte, work, Charlotte Mason works out there. It does come from a, a Christian perspective. Um, but I think there's a lot of beautiful things in there to help you get started. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay, a lot of questions. Yes, yeah, somebody, uh, Rahana is saying that she liked Elementary Geography by Charlotte Mason. It's a good one. Yeah, that's the one. That's the first book. And there is actually a second book in that series if you want to look that up. Um, and what have we got on here? Somebody's asked um, on Instagram, do you mind answering how your children are doing as do as in do you feel they are extremely above average? And honestly, I think my children are pretty average kids. Um, I, like all children, they have their strengths and they have their weaknesses. Uh, and the wonderful thing about homeschooling is that you can help them to develop those strengths and you can spend more time on their weaknesses. I don't think they're particularly above average, um, but in certain areas they are. Um, and in certain areas, they're probably not as good as average, and we work on on developing them. Homeschooling doesn't make your children geniuses. It just gives you an opportunity to to educate them in a way that really will nurture what they've already been given and help them to to work on their weaknesses, like I say. So no, my kids are not geniuses. (laughs) They're not above average. They're pretty, pretty normal kids. 
Um, okay. Right, I'll move on to the next question. Um, you know what, let me, let me, I want to actually honour those of you who have shown up live here today and answer some of your questions, because I know it takes a lot to find the time to tune in live to one of these sessions. You've all got busy lives and you've all come here today. So I'm going to try and answer a couple of questions that have popped up here on Facebook and a couple of questions that popped up on Instagram, and then we'll wrap up. And for those of you on Instagram, I think it's going to cut out at one hour. Instagram only allows me to do one hour lives and then it cuts you out. So if it does cut out, hop over to Facebook um, and and we'll carry on over there. Let me just start on Instagram just in case you do cut out. Right. How do I manage my time? Uh, Shelma is asking, how do I manage my time? So I've done videos on this in the past uh, previous episodes of Raising Mums. There's one called how to run your home like a boss, how to run your home like a boss part two. And um, there's another one about time management. They were done about a year ago. So if you have time, go check them out. And that will answer your question much more fully than I can do right now. Um, yeah, so another sister saying that she, when she had a one-year-old, I used to make sleep and awake times varying so that I can give each their full fullness. Yeah, subhanAllah, that's beautiful. So work around your child's schedule, your baby's schedule. Um, salam. So our little homeschool journey is saying, Salam, loving all the great tips. My question is, I'm teaching my kids. Um, I'm just talking at them or reading information from them from a book and it just feels so boring. Oh dear. Right, so how can I make it fun? If reading from a book seems boring, then honestly, you're choosing the wrong books. Um, I love the books that we read and I, it never seems boring to me. Um, we were recently reading one work of literature. It's called Robin Hood. Uh, it's not for everybody, but we really enjoyed it. And the kids were rolling on the floor, literally laughing, cracking jokes about what happened in the story. Um, if the books you're using are boring you and it's just informational text you're reading, change it up. Look for living books. Uh, if you're not sure what living books are, Google it. You will find a whole wealth of information about different types of living books, how to recognize a living book. But essentially what it is, is it's a book that you can enjoy with multiple age ranges that you can read again and again and still keep learning. Um, and that teaches typically through a narrative style, through a storytelling style, but not always. Um, and they're just really good books that not only will your children enjoy, but you will enjoy. So I really recommend that you have a look and try and find a living book in whatever subject it is you're trying to teach. Um, and let's have a look. Yes, subhanAllah. So one sister is saying that she's learning so much from homeschooling her children. Absolutely. Uh, I think we all have that experience that homeschooling really remedies the deficiencies in our own education. And we're able to fill in those blanks ourselves while our children also benefit. That's that's beautiful. Um, OK. Um, has anyone got tips about timetables, tips and advice, please? My children are seven and four. Jazakallah khair. Um, so. Timetable wise, we don't use a set timetable. So we don't say nine to 10, you know, maths, 10 to 11, this, you know, we don't, we don't do that. Like I said, we have a routine. 
We start off with one of the three R's, reading, writing, or maths. Um, sorry, arithmetic, but maths, right? Reading, writing, or arithmetic. Then we do our morning basket. Then we do the other two R's that we missed out. Then we do something else um, like art or geography or something that wasn't in the morning basket but that needs to be done. Uh, and then we're done for the day. And then we have uh, other things outside of the home to enrich their educational experience. So we don't have a set timetable. Um, if you want to have more of a rigid structure in your homeschool, I'd get onto YouTube and look up homeschool planning or timetables there. And there are some families who do use a stricter approach and you might find your answers there as well. Right, let's have a look on Facebook. Okie doke. Right. Um, how do you balance homeschooling with really young children and the prayer? It is challenging to keep a healthy balance. <clears throat> so I'm not sure, Sabina, what you mean. Do you mean that you're struggling to like remember to pray because you've got to homeschool and you've got little kids? Um, I'm not really sure what you mean. If that's the case, set an alarm on your phone. Set an alarm for each prayer on your phone. And when it rings, you drop everything and you go and pray. Prayer takes priority over homeschooling, over your little children. If your little children are crying, you still need to pray. Okay, uh, it doesn't take long to pray. If you've got your wudu as well, it doesn't take long to pray. You pray and then you can tend to your kids. Then you can start go back to homeschooling. If your kids are older, your children should be praying with you anyway. And if they're little kids, they'll probably want to pray with you. So, um, you know, don't let your little kids, don't let your homeschooling get in the way of your prayer. Prayer comes first and everything else afterwards. Um, how can I encourage my child to be more creative? My son doesn't like drawing or painting. I have a five-year-old. Um, do you have any book recommendations about Charlotte Mason? Okay, so there's two questions there. How to encourage your children to be more creative? If they don't like art, that's fine. Like that, creativity does not equal art. Maybe you could try just giving them access to other things. Creativity can uh, show itself in many ways. Lego is another is a way to be creative. Cooking is another way to be creative. Words and the way they speak and song can be another way to be creative. Um, don't restrict your view about creativity just to art. Although that is a beautiful way to be creative, it doesn't have to be. And not all children are inclined in that way, as you say. Um, and give them as much free time, unscheduled, um, time to be bored, like we talked about before. And they will find a way to be creative because creativity, it comes naturally to all of us. Um, you know, me being here talking to you, the work I do online is highly creative work and I love it. Uh, and creativity, even for a five-year-old, is very satisfying. So just... Just give them a free reign to do what they want to do. When my eldest son was little, I think he was he was less than five, three or four. I would just give him our recycling bin. And it was full of, you know, cardboard and bits of paper and uh, cardboard tubes and stuff like that. And I'd say, there you go, make something. I'm going to go cook now. And he would glue the things together and he'd make some kind of construction. And that was him being creative. It, it wasn't a pretty picture. Um, it wasn't a beautiful work of art, but that was him being creative and expressing himself. So if you can find a way, um, try, maybe you could try that. Give them the recycling bin. I think people call that junk modeling. I think it actually has a phrase because it's not the final product that's important. It's the process. It's the process that matters, not the final product. Um, even though the perfectionists out there might want to tweak it and, and make it look beautiful, 
just give them free reign, let them experiment. Um, so what was the other question? Oh, book recommendations. So I said, for the children's sake, I think that's by Susan Schaefer Macaulay. Um, I think, you know, not just book recommendations. I think there are a lot of online recommendations I'd give if you want to learn more about Charlotte Mason. There's a podcast called A Delectable Education. And they've got some episodes that are focused on, I think they call them immersion lessons. So one of the hosts will pretend to be the student and the other one will pretend to be the teacher. And you'll actually get to almost sit in a Charlotte Mason class and see how teaching should look. So they're brilliant. Um, online courses, there's uh, Modern Miss Mason. She has some great courses about Charlotte Mason philosophy. Um, so more books, let me think. Anything by Karen Andreola. Okay, Karen Andreola, she has a preference for the old fashioned ways. So if you do read her books, don't assume you have to do things exactly the way she does. But her books do give a really nice way of seeing what a Charlotte Mason education would actually look like in real life, um, not just in theory. So books by Karen Andreola and uh, For the Children's Sake are a good place to start. Um, and if you're already very familiar with the Charlotte Mason philosophy and you want something more, then the books by Karen Glass are fascinating. Uh, Karen Glass is really an expert in that. And she was one of the founders um, and the people behind Ambleside Online. So her books are excellent. Um, so somebody has asked, Um Zaid has asked, where do you begin when you want to develop your own homeschooling program as opposed to following a ready-made one? Um, especially if you want your kids to follow their interests and teach them accordingly. Um, however, at the same time, not wanting gaps in their education. Right. First of all, just get rid of this idea that there are going to be gaps in your children's education. If there are gaps, it's very easy to catch up. You know, gaps in your children's education are only really relevant if you've got plans that your kids are going to go to school um, and you're worried that, OK, everybody in their year has already learned about the Vikings and they've never learned about the Vikings. So we need to catch up that you can do when you make the decision that they're going to go to school the next year. If you've got no plans for your children to go to school anytime soon, just get rid of that thought straight away. It shouldn't be a concern to you and it shouldn't affect the way you homeschool now. Um, because like I mentioned previously, your children are never going to learn everything they need to learn for their life after they've left your home. You're never going to be able to teach them everything in the world. Um, so I think what you're saying here is that you want to teach them what interests them. So that's unschooling. That has that term unschooling. Um, so I would recommend for you that you begin by asking them what you want to learn. Then make a trip to the library, get as many books as you can bring them home and, and start reading. And as you read from those books to them, they'll get their own ideas about projects they want to do, about artwork they want to do. They'll get ideas about trips they want to make. You know, my son, he's learning about coral at the moment. I told you he's learning about ocean life. We have a garden centre down the road and they sell fish and amongst there are corals. And so we're going to go to the garden centre, free trip, and go and have a look at what soft corals they sell in that garden center in their aquarium section. So you'll come up with ideas. Give yourself that freedom to follow their interests and the, the trust in yourself that you will find ideas and you'll come up with things. And if you're stressed and you're worried, that's going to affect your creativity and those ideas from flowing. Um, so I hope that helps and answers your question, Um Zaid. Right, you're about to cut out Facebook. If you want to... 
um, jump over to Facebook. It did about to cut out Instagram, sorry. So if you want to jump over to Facebook and catch the end of this, then feel free to do that. Um, and if not, then this will all be uploaded onto my website and onto YouTube later on as well. Um, so if we carry on on Facebook. Um, okay, if my child, Sister Hinner is asking, if my child is good in studies at school, is it advisable to pull them from school for homeschooling? I'm very confused to take this step or to not take this step. Um, my point of pulling them out is that she'll have more time to learn more skills of her interest because at school it consumes six, um, eight to nine hours of her day. Okay, yeah, that's a very valid concern that you have that, you know, homeschooling is taking, homeschooling is taking up so much of her time um, that she doesn't have time to really dig deep in the subjects that she wants to. So I think that's, a, that, that is a valid reason to take her out of school if you feel that you can help her in that way at home. Um, if she's doing well at school, then she will do even better at home. Uh, you don't need to be concerned about that. If she's doing well at school, that means that she already has the self-discipline, um, but she's already um, very motivated herself. And that will only increase at home when you give her that freedom. So uh, as long as you have considered all the other aspects of homeschooling and what that entails, um, then I, I think that, that homeschooling would suit her very, very well. Okay, so I think that's all the questions. Forgive me if I missed your question um, online. And so for those of you who asked questions, um, who asked me questions and you sent your questions in and I didn't get to them, um, please don't be disheartened. I apologise, but I'm keeping all of those questions and I will try and answer them in as many future episodes of Raising Mums as I can. Um, I'll also be answering them in my newsletter, so make sure you sign up for my newsletter as well. Um, and there'll be ideas as well that I can use for future blog posts. So I really appreciate all of those questions that you've sent in. Um, also, don't forget to put yourself on that mailing list if you might be interested in my upcoming homeschooling courses, the, the blog posts that are coming out about the Islamic month of Rejab. And if you want to know more about the giveaways that are coming up, make sure you get on to my mailing list as well. Um, and you know, I want to really thank all of you for joining in and tuning into these episodes of Raising Mums. This is the last episode for a little while. This is episode number 20. And I, you know what? I'm going to just say this right now. I'm really proud of myself. And I'm really proud and grateful that I've actually been able to put these out consistently every single Sunday for the last 10 weeks. Even though I've got a two, three month old baby, even though it was hard some days, I did it. And it, it might seem like a small win to you guys, but to me it's huge. And so I'm actually going to go and celebrate today um, because... You know, this makes me so happy that I was able to, to achieve this. Um, and I want to thank you, all of you who have shown up and supported me and sent me sweet messages um, and kind things you've commented. And I want to thank you all and, and let you know that I appreciate it. You know, even if I don't mention or say anything in the live videos, I do come back. I do come back and go through the comments and read them all, even if I'm not able to respond to them all. And if right now you're listening to the replay um, the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen, can you do me a huge favour? If you've got two seconds free right now, could you give this podcast a star rating? Just two seconds, I would really appreciate that star rating. Or if you've got 10 to 20 seconds free right now, could you give me a written review? Because, you know, it's really important because not only does it help me, 
It also helps other people to find this podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there and it's the podcasts that have the most reviews that get bumped up the list and that get seen and get noticed. So if you could do that for me, if you've got time um, on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, if you could give me a review, I would really, really appreciate if you could do that for me. Um, You know, and thank you so much to Word United who have sponsored so many of these episodes and without whom this would not be possible to put out. Um, So thank you to them, wordunited.com, for sponsoring these episodes. So until next time, friends, I will see you soon and um, I hope you have a beautiful weekend and take care of yourself. Asalaamu Alaikum.